The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Oh man Oh man Oh man Oh man Yes, sir. It's all eyes on Cleveland. We are back in full effect. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. And your Cleveland Browns are three and one for the first time since 2001. We have a hell of a show for you here tonight. We've got special guest Kevin Hickey getting us ready for the monstrous game that awaits us at 425 on Sunday at First Energy Stadium where 12,000 screaming Browns fans will be in attendance. We have so much to talk about. I've written an article about the trade deadline, how this 3-1 record will change our view on that. What will GM Andrew Barry do? Will he go out and get us some secondary help? We'll look at some of the targets and potentially what he could do on the show tonight. Plus, we've got a mailbag questions in there that are very interesting and intriguing plus the interview i already mentioned and we're gonna talk about the cowboys victory of course it's all eyes on cleveland you start getting excited Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In full effect, all eyes on Cleveland. It is tonight. Thank you, Mikey, on the ones and twos. I am Brad Ward, your host. You can find all eyes on Cleveland where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Speaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn app, Radio.com, Google Play, just to name a few. But really, if you listen to podcasts, it's there, okay? Uh, we publish all of our episodes at alleyesoncleveland.com, the website. It's sleek. It's chic. It's nice. It's very, very stylish. You can go there and listen to any episodes you want. You can give us some feedback. You can check on the Pod vs. Pod Fantasy League. We've got pictures on there. We've got a voicemail where you can leave a hot take if you want to leave one for the show or a question for the mailbag. We've got all kinds of good stuff there on the website. Go check it out. While you're there, leave us a review. If you don't like what we're doing, that's okay. You can tell us that, too, because we just want to get better for you. If you like what we're doing, even better. Take the time. Leave us a review. It's much appreciated. Mikey, you can go ahead and kill that. I am excited, if you can't tell, tonight. And you should start getting excited, too, because your Cleveland Prouds are three and freaking one. And they won an absolutely huge football game in Dallas on Sunday. And you should be proud 
to be a Browns fan right now. Three and freaking one. They are in 10th. 10th in the CBS power rankings that came out today. 10th in the freaking NFL. In the CBS power rankings today. That's just that's just outstanding. That's just outstanding. Kevin Stefanski uh, is doing a hell of a job with this team. He had everything schemed up. Um, the run game was fantastic. The plan that was in place for the game against Dallas was fantastic. Uh, they did whatever we wanted. We did whatever we wanted to do. The Browns did whatever they wanted to do on offense against the Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys' defense is a sieve. No joke. I mean, they are absolutely terrible on defense. Just horrendous. Horrendous. Yes. Oh, man! And, uh, but, you know, the Browns jumped out to that 41-14 lead. I was very excited. Uh, got a little preventy, uh, preventish on the defensive side of the ball and gave up a lot of yards, 200-some yards to Dak. And, and, you know, in the second half, as he mounted a comeback against us and made it, it could close. But, you know... One thing that, uh, you know, I've heard uh, before in NFL front office people say and will sometimes say is that you know a team is playing well when the money is playing well, when the money is shining, meaning like the guys that you highly paid or have invested in are the guys that are making the game-changing plays, well, Chubb, Hunt, Beckham, Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Odell Beckham Jr. I said it three times because he had three touchdowns, and he was fantastic, and he put that game on ice with the end-around reverse in the fourth quarter. I was just absolutely running sprints around my house going ballistic, just just craziness. Greedy? Huh. All right. <laughs> Greedy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and then, so, uh, and then Miles Garrett, strip sack, third game in a row. Denzel Ward, interception to close out the game. The money is playing well. The money is rising up in big moments on this Browns team. And that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Um, so, great win versus the Cowboys. Defense is struggling, right? The, so many guys in and out of that defense. MJ Stewart, we've talked about this. We've we've talked about this to death. MJ Stewart, Tavier Thomas, I, they're playing their asses off. I mean... When Stefanski talked in his press conference, he was talking about, he used the word strain a bunch of times. Like, our guys are straining on every play to give us everything they have. And I get that. And it's evident. You can see it on the film. It's legit. They are playing their ass off. And so I can't, I don't want to come down hard on anybody, but they, those guys just are not equipped to play that position, and as soon as they can get KJ in there at a full-time, 
position, which may happen this weekend, playing the nickel or the slot corner, the better that defense off will be. And the more Mac Wilson gets reps and gets back into the swing of things, the better he'll be. Um, but one thing they are doing on defense, and I mentioned this in the interview here with Kevin Hickey, who is the managing editor of the Colts Wire. We have him on for the big game. We're doubling up on Colts stuff this week. We're getting you ready big time for the big game, okay? Um, all aspects. We're going to cover it all for you. But and, and we've got plenty more, too. We've got the, the trade deadline piece I did. I promised I would give you some targets, and we'll talk about that. And we've got mailbag questions, too. Okay, along with the interview. But um, the secondary in this in the Seattle cover three, or if they're in cover four like they were most of the second half because they were up 41 to 14 at one point. <clears throat> 41 to 14 at one point. Uh, wow. And they sat back and Dak did, you know took what he could all the way up and down the field and that's garbage time yardage you know and it shouldn't have gotten as close as it did but they put it on ice at the end it was just a huge win you feel great for Odell Beckham Jr uh you want the buy-in right like the buy-in from him the buy-in from Landry the buy-in from Hooper who hasn't even really been involved in the offense but is blocking his ass off in that run game it's amazing. Uh, go to my timeline at Ward on Sports. Ryan Baldinger uh, put out uh, a uh, film breakdown on the run game, and he points out Hooper in the run game in there and how he's, like, celebrating in the run game, and he's like, that's what it's all about right there. Like, And he's showing, like, you know, Bryant on the – on the slam down or the, you know, the wham block against the, the three technique and he's crushing him. And here comes Teller, who, by the way, is like the highest ranked guard in PFF in like three years or something is he's coming out out of nowhere and just drilling people at the second level. And the, you know, uh, Conklin pancakes is, you know, the the end. It's just crazy. Like, their blocking is just overpowering the push they're getting on the, on the offensive end, running the ball. Holes are opening up. Dearness Johnson came in uh, and, and looked like a – looked like a young uh, – looked like a, a young uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, he, he looked fantastic. His vision is – the angles he was taking, he looked great, right? And the Chubb thing is a shame, six weeks, but the Browns are in a position to weather that. I'm not that worried. I Just get him back 100%. We can weather the storm. The way that this is set up for the Browns is, you know, you had the Ravens game. We threw that out, right? That was like a preseason game. We're throwing that out. That was They weren't even ready. It wasn't even fair. Screw that game, Okay. And then you had the Bengals, and then you get a little bit better competition with Washington in that front four, and, and you get tested a little bit more. And then you get the Dallas Cowboys, and you get tested a little bit more. And then this week, another real, real test. This defense is ranked number one in everything in the freaking league. 
This defense is no joke. Now, they're a little dinged on that side of the ball. You might want to take, try to take advantage of that. I don't think so highly of Phillip Rivers. I think he's very... This defense that has struggled at times has been opportunistic. And, and one thing that they can do big time in this game on Sunday is he will throw you the ball. Uh, throw us the ball throw the Browns the ball a couple times a game and when he does you better intercept that pass take advantage the opportunistic defense has to remain that way if they're going to continue to play this way where they're almost playing like a bend don't break but like what you're going to see what's interesting and we'll talk to Kevin about this is the way this cover three Seattle coverage is supposed to set up is it enables players to play freely once you get the hang of it, right? And they have gotten the hang of it, and they're bought in, and they fly around. They have great team speed. They're sound. They fly all over the field. Um, Now, two of their linebackers may be out. Costanzo on the offensive line may be out. Those are big points, and you'll hear a lot more of that talk in the interview here uh, with Kevin, who was terrific, by the way, so you're going to want to listen to that. But really good stuff there. Uh, Big game. Okay, Uh, things that we want to – I'm I'm so excited I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, I wrote an article, a piece at the Browns Wire this week, okay, um, that – the Browns go to 3-1. and one. It should change Andrew Barry's approach as the trade deadline comes up at the end of the month here. Because if you are a legit contender and it looks like, you know, seven teams on each side of the NFL are going to get in the playoffs this year, uh, you think you have a real shot at that. You want to be a buyer... At the deadline. Now, the Browns, like I wrote in my piece, can't be like a um, a Buccaneers-type buyer where there's a, a, a limit on their window of winning and they can go out and take a high-priced rental, right? Or something like that. They have to do it with a little nuance, a little distinction. They have to do it in a way where they get players... If they can buy at the deadline, and I think they should really kick the tires on a lot of situations here, and I've got some examples that I promised that I would give out on the show tonight, and and I've got a couple that I'm going to give you after the interview. Now, the GM, Andrew Barry, needs to approach this in a way because that money that the Browns have, the 32-some-odd million dollars in cap space, is much of which is earmarked for guys like Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, maybe Ogan Joby, question mark, question mark, we don't know. Uh, you know, uh, guys that we plan on paying, Nick Chubb, uh, and they want to keep the core here in Cleveland. That's, that's what that money is kind of earmarked for. So it's not like we can go out and take on a big-time contract, but we could go out and take on a guy who... Uh, isn't going to get extended, maybe is on his rookie deal, uh, but has played significant snaps, could help in the secondary or help in the linebacker room, 
probably more so the secondary would be my focus at this point. Maybe just another veteran corner would make me feel much better about the situation back there. Um, or even safety because Sindejo is just – and you get give him credit. He's made some plays. He punched the ball out. Uh, big-time fumble caused on Sunday. But he just gets torched left and right in this defense. And uh, he has trouble, as we talked about last week, in the zone, you know, looking for work. He's never he's not always finding the nearest work fast enough, and he's getting beat that way, and he's getting beat because he's, sometimes he's just not fast enough um, in the secondary. And – you want to see Ronnie Harrison grow into that role, but they've been using him more up towards the line of scrimmage as like a big nickel um, in certain situations. So there's a lot of moving parts on that defense right now, which isn't great and ideal for that cover three or any of the zones because you want guys to get in that spot and learn the rules and know it and know how to communicate to the guys that they're passing players off to. And that's when it'll start to come together, when you can have a guy there every week that gets the nuances of the defense. When you're switching guys in and out left and right, kind of like the Browns are right now, it's trouble. Uh, Miles Garrett continues to make huge plays. They are going up a different up against a different caliber offensive line this week. Make no... This is just a different caliber football team. This is, football team is very much like ours. They want to run the ball. We want to run the ball. We want to make sure that Baker doesn't have too much on his plate. They want to make sure that too, too much isn't on Phillip Rivers' plate. They don't want him throwing it 40 times. So it's interesting that way. Now the matchup of the day is going to be definitely the Browns' offense against this number one Colts defense. Now it's a number one Colts defense with a little bit of an asterisk because they haven't played great competition. I watched the games again. Okay, A couple notes before we go to the interview here. Uh, on the games, and then we'll come back. We'll do the targets and the mailbag, uh, trade deadline targets and mailbag after the interview here on All Eyes on Cleveland. But, you know, they started the season and lost to the Jaguars in a game that they shouldn't have lost. They should be 4-0. Um, and Minshew played really, really well in this game. Um and, and beat them, um, and, uh, you know, it was, it came down to the end, and, and Rivers was trying to make a comeback drive, and uh, he got down inside the 30 of Jacksonville. They needed a touchdown, and Jacksonville was legitimate, bringing everybody, and Rivers was just throwing it up. He didn't have any time to throw, uh, and they uh, could not score. Jacksonville holds them off and gets that surprising win in week one. Um, Rivers checking down a lot. I put um, Jacksonville was able to run the ball somewhat against them, this this vaunted defense. So uh, that's something to take note of. 
Vikings week two, a porous team right now, a team on a uh, spiral down. Cousins was terrible in this game, like like 11 for 26, just awful in this game. Uh, And this is where they started to make their transition to Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back. Marlon Mack was out. They lost their two of their better wide receivers, the rookie Michael Pittman Jr., and then uh, Paris Campbell, as we all know, from Ohio State. And now they have some guys, along with T.Y. Hilton, who is a little long in the tooth. And uh, and Kevin will talk about his kind of lack of uh, presence so far this year. Um, but they have a beast of a tight end that they use. His name is... Uh, Ollie Cox, and uh, we'll talk about him in the interview. He is absolutely a stud. Um, In week uh, three, they uh, got the Jets at home in uh, a game they ended up blowing out uh, in the second half, but it was much closer in the first than the score showed. Um... Sam Darnold uh, made some good plays in the first half. You can move the ball on these guys. It, I mean, I know it's number one everything across the board, but from what I saw, you can move the ball on them, run or pass. They just haven't given up the huge plays, the points, the explosiveness that you sometimes see around the NFL every Sunday. They just haven't given that up, and that's what's made them the best defense so far. Yeah, Mo Ollie Cox is a name to watch. He is a beast of a tight end that they are relying a lot on right now. Um, They got Trey Burton back, another tight end. Uh, They... um, Their defense has names all over the place. Justin Houston has three and a half sacks. Uh, That's up there in the league, if not the best. Um... They have Xavier Rhodes on the outside. They have Julian Blackman, rookie safety. They have uh, DeForest Buckner, a defensive tackle. Uh, They've got Darius Leonard and Bobby Okery as two stud linebackers. Now those two guys are questionable to play. Um, So interesting stuff there. But these are the thoughts I have and just wanted to go over a couple things I saw in the games there. Nothing crazy, uh, just some personnel stuff. Uh, they blocked a punt against, uh, uh, was that against the Bears? Yeah, their, their win against the Bears was their best win, uh, by far, uh, and, uh, because the Bears scored late, they shut them down completely, the Bears were 3-0 and at the time, Colts were pretty hyped coming out of that one, uh, and they're really excited too, man, this is a game... Uh, I caught a clip on Good Morning Football. The guys there and the guys and girls there talking about how the winner of this game puts themselves up in in a different echelon of team in the NFL, uh, in the AFC. This puts somebody up and, uh, you know, certifies them as one of the better teams in the AFC whether it's the Colts or the Browns, but that's the position they're in. Two three-and-one teams that are very similar, uh, both both good and playing good football right now, and it should be a, it should be a gem.
baby. It should be a gem. Um, tonight's show is sponsored by Thrive Fantasy App, where you can get in on the daily fantasy game and action with Thrive Fantasy App, where you can put your money on prop bets. Don't put in lineups. Don't go against the pros, where you have to, you know, uh, pick a different lineup every night and uh, go against guys that put in uh, uh, different 150 different iterations of the lineup and uh, you end up losing to the pros. Don't worry about that. Just pick the prop bets you like and cash that way it's a fantastic app it's a way to get some skin in the game win some money it's fun they've got guaranteed prize pools uh use the promo code eyez as in eyes all eyes on cleveland when you sign up today uh you will receive an instant twenty dollar bonus for your first deposit of twenty dollars or more download thrive fantasy on the app store or play store by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com Sign up and prop up today. Let's get you to the interview. We're going to come back. We're going to talk trade, deadline, targets. And I've got two really good mailbag questions. Uh, One about Baker and uh, the approach on Sunday. And another one about our approach uh, offensively on Sunday. Uh, We will look at that when we come back. Uh, Plus, like I promised, we're going to get to those trade deadline teams and even specifically a couple players that we we need to watch out for as GM, uh, you know, uh, Barry, A.B., Andrew Barry, looks at uh, his first opportunity here, see how he handles a hot start like this trade deadline. They do need some help on the back end. Can he provide it for us? Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he approaches it. We know that he spent time with Howie Roseman last year and learned a ton in his time with the Eagles and Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman has been aggressive at trade deadlines his entire career. So I don't think Barry shies away from any roster spots that he feels he needs to upgrade when it comes time for the trade deadline. And as I wrote in my article, the teams that you want to look for, that you look as trade partners, that you can get a player to help you from, are teams that are losing, they're having a bad year, they're pretty much out of contention, they don't really have playoff hopes, and they have contract situations, salary cap situations that loom in the balance. That's a way you can get a good player off one of these teams. Okay? Now, like I said, the Browns can't go out and spend a ton on a rental. Okay? Because that money is earmarked to keep this core together, which I think is very key. But they can get a young, good player to help that if you decide to extend, if he plays really well, you can and make him part of the core too. Or you can let walk if you don't feel like they're up to snuff. Browns, baby. Browns football. Yes, that's right. Uh, Browns football has got you hyped, got me excited. Get You get excited. This is the interview tonight, Kevin Hickey. Uh, he is the managing editor at the Colts Wire, the Giants Wire, and he is a contributor at the Fantasy 
football gurus. You can follow him on Twitter at KevinHickey11. Please enjoy the interview. And we are very excited to bring on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland this evening, uh, a special guest uh, from uh, the other side of things, giving us a a different look here as we approach the big game on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. Kevin Hickey, who is managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Colts Wire. Uh, He works at the Giants Wire as well and is contributing uh, uh, contributor, or pardon me, uh, at Fantasy Football Gurus. So anybody looking for a little fantasy advice out there, uh, you can check that out as well. How are we doing today, Kevin? I'm doing great, Brad. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. We're fired up here. Uh, Browns are excited after coming off a win against Dallas. Uh, Cowboys, I'm sure you guys are fired up after coming off a, a win against the Bears. Um, I went back, Kevin, and I... Right now, at this point in the season, it's easier to do this. I'm sure the further in the season we go, it'll be get harder to do. And I did it with the Cowboys, and I did it last night, actually, with the Colts. I went back and I watched the majority of the Colts games so far. Um, and uh, so th- there's a lot there to digest. Uh, they've looked really good at times. They've looked, uh, you know, kind of struggled at times on offense. I want to start with Philip Rivers because you know he's kind of at this point in his career. I don't really know what to make of Philip. Uh, he kind of is coming off of a, a a year that wasn't so great last year, um, at least for his you know standards. You guys' quarterback situation changed so quickly, and it actually happened strangely enough when Cleveland was there, uh, right in the timeline. If you recall, Cleveland was there for. Uh, the team versus team practice, right, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then Luck retired right after that. Uh, right. Then you guys rolled with the Jacoby Brissett experiment. Um, and then now it's Phillip Rivers. Um, Frank Reich, who I love as a head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni, I, I love those guys a lot. I respect them a lot as coaches. Um, how has that offense changed? I mean, that seems like a, a, a difficult transition from Luck to Brissett, who is somewhat limited, right, to Rivers now. Um, how has that changed kind of as, as Rivers has come into the picture here? Um, it's changed. It's changed a bit. Uh, when you have a talent like Andrew Luck available and under center, when you talk about his command of the offense, his intelligence, when going through pre-snap reads, post-snap reads. You can do so many more things, right? And that really isn't to take away from the intelligence of Jacoby Brissett, who in himself is a smart quarterback, or Phillip Rivers, who has seen just about every coverage that you can throw at him. But when you have all the things that Andrew Luck has, you can do so much more. You can open up the offense so much more. So when we saw him in 2018, uh, you know, that, that full season that he had, the Colts offense was humming, you know, I mean, they were, they were able to do what they want. And they're an offense that they want to run the ball, but with Andrew Luck, they knew that they can throw it. And they kind of did that for the most part. I think their pass to run ratio was in the 60 to 40 uh, percent range in 2018. When you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, you're going to do that. Even if you want to run the ball. 
but then you you get his retirement, and they they lauded uh, Jacoby Brissett the entire way through. They they traded for him in 2017 when Luck was going through the shoulder, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they were sad to see Luck go, obviously, but uh, they were also excited to see what Brissett could do. And unfortunately, we were all a little disappointed um, because when you look at Jacoby Brissett, he has a good arm. Uh, he's intelligent in terms of commanding an offense and being able to make reads, but he didn't really show it. Uh, hmm. So when you say that he was limited, he was very limited. He, he <laughs> rarely looked downfield. He he didn't really keep his eyes downfield when he's scrambling outside the pocket. And even with the way the Colts' offensive line has played over the last couple of years, Brissett just didn't look like a viable starting quarterback. So it, you know, I think we all expected them to make a move in the offseason, whether it was signing a guy like Phillip Rivers or drafting a quarterback. They wound up doing both. But um, when you bring in a guy like Rivers, you know, obviously he has the pedigree, he has the resume, uh, just from what he's done with the Chargers throughout his whole career. But, you know, he is coming off a year. His interception rate was the highest that it had been since he became a starter. It was the second highest. I'm not really sure. Um, but it was yeah. up there. I think it was approaching 4% or something like that. It was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so he's looked good. He's looked, uh, he's looked efficient. I don't know that he's really a guy that is going to carry an offense like he used to be able to. Um, I don't think the, the Colts really want him to do that. I think they want him to be, you know, sometimes the word game manager gets a negative connotation, but they want him to control the offense. They want to make sure that they can control the line of scrimmage with the run game, with their offensive line, and not put too much on Phillip Rivers' shoulders. Because I think we've seen, you know, even in week one we saw, uh, they threw the ball 46 times, I think. And yeah, you just saw that Rivers doesn't, he might not have that kind of it factor when it comes to being able to carry the offense and throw 50 times a game, 40 times a game. So the last few weeks you've kind of seen them get back to their bread and butter of, controlling the tempo, controlling the line of scrimmage with the run game. And I think that's what they want to do. So when you talk about how much the offense has changed, we we know they want to be a ground-and-pound team. We know that they want to control the line of scrimmage. And they can do that with Phillip Rivers. Um, but, you know, you, it, it, it kind of limits the ceiling of the offense a bit. Okay. Um, you're uh, listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Kevin Hickey, uh, managing editor at the Colts Wire and contrib- contributor at Fantasy Football Gurus. Um, the, so for you, has he lived up to what you expected so far, at Rivers, or are you looking for more from him? Um, I think he's actually been pretty good. You know, I, I, my expectations weren't really all that high. I didn't think he was going to come in and be a guy that really, you know, takes over the passing game and they become this, you know, Chiefs type offense where they're throwing the right. ball downfield all the time and they're getting all these explosive plays. I mean, they still are getting explosive plays. I think entering week five, they're ninth in the league in explosive plays, which is a huge difference from what they saw with Brissett last year. Yep. So even though they kind of have that same mentality where they know they can't really rely on the, I mean, they can rely on Rivers a lot more than they could Brissett when it comes to if they need to pass the ball. But uh, they they kind of keep that same mentality running the ball, wanting to control the line of scrimmage. But the explosive plays have been there. So when when you look at Philip Rivers and what he's done this year, I think he's been very efficient. He's been very uh, 
commanding of the offense. He knows the offense. And even though they didn't really have an offseason to work on it, uh, he's come in and made almost a seamless transition. So I've been impressed with, with Rivers. I think he's been very efficient uh, throwing the ball when he needs to. Uh, you know, some injuries have happened. You got yeah. Michael Pittman. He's on the IR. He had the compartment leg syndrome, had to have surgery. Paris Campbell is not officially done for the year, but he had surgery on his MCL and PCL. So he's probably, you know, it would be a surprise to me if he came back. So Rivers is dealing with a bit of a lack of weapons around him, but mm-hmm. I've been impressed. I have, I, uh, I had, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have all these high expectations of Rivers, but he's looked really good. He look, he looks like a guy that can control the offense and do what the Colts want him to do. Yeah. I mean, for me, he looked re, kind of rejuvenated a little bit, you know, um, a change of scenery at, at his point of his career, I think can do that for some people. And certainly, um, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a different offense than he's used to, you know, playing in where he just, you know, would throw it, what, 50 times sometimes with the Chargers exactly. and stuff like that. And, and, uh, they've, you know, obviously he doesn't have to do that in this offense. It's a shame that they lost Pittman Jr. and Campbell because those guys looked really good early, right? Um, and then, uh, um, I got to ask you about a guy who has absolutely jumped off the tape when I was watching the games is uh, Mo Ali Cox. Uh, oh, yeah. Tight end, uh, absolute beast. And uh, I noticed that he goes to him a lot. Um, where did he come from? Is he uh, somebody you guys drafted? And uh, he's been terrific, huh? Yeah, he's been a lot of fun to watch. He uh, So he actually played, you know, you get that story about tight ends who played basketball. He played basketball at VCU. One of those guys, um, and w- yeah, and was a pretty. He was a pretty good standout there. Um, when you talk about the size that he has and the athleticism that he has, the Colts jumped right on it. He uh, he didn't get drafted. They signed him. He did the. I think it was the 2018 offseason. It was like the summer of 2018, and. Mo Ali Cox did a tryout for like 10 or 12 teams and the Colts huh. were there and they wound up signing him shortly after that. So he's been with the team since 2018, spent most of that season on the practice squad, um, kind of just, you know, getting used to the NFL, getting used to being a tight end in the NFL. Uh, got a lot more playing time last year um, when Eric Ebron got hurt. So the mm-hmm. Colts kind of got to see his development there and then entering this season they were very happy with the kind of uh, improvements that he's made as a route runner. Cause you know, being his size, having that length, having that strength, he's always been, they've used him more as a blocker, but when they saw what he could do as a route runner and as a pass catcher, they, they got very excited about what he could bring to the offense because we know with Frank Reich and, you know, from his time with the Eagles, from the time with the Chargers, they loved his offense loves to target the tight end position. They really yeah. see it as a matchup position where, you know, if you have an, an athletic tight end who can catch the ball, who can also block, it gives you so many more advantages, you know, in the game against a good defense. So with Mo Cox, it's been really fun because he's kind of been a almost a fan favorite the past couple of years. So to see him blossoming as a route runner and seeing him, you know, kind of just bully these defenders, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Uh, you're absolutely right. He's he's uh, he's a gem. He's a lot of fun to watch for sure. So, and you you talked a little bit about this offense here, um, in, in that 
you know, Frank Reich and, and Sirianni, they want to run it run first, right? Um, and you, you guys drafted a really good back, obviously, in Jonathan Taylor, and he's kind of your feature guy. I like Naheem Hines a lot. He's explosive. Um, but you lost Marlon Mack to injury. Has that, you think, uh, even hurt you guys at all? It almost seemed like uh, there was going to be a little bit of a transition to Taylor anyways. Did that just kind of, you know, uh, speed that up? Or do you think you miss Marlon Mack? To be honest, I think they do miss Marlon Mack a little bit. Uh, As talented as Jonathan Taylor is and as much as he is the future, I don't think there was ever a question about that. Um, It has been somewhat of a slow progression for for Taylor so when you talk about his you know he's trying to improve his vision he's trying to get used to the speed of the NFL he's trying to learn all these blocking schemes that the Colts Mm -hmm. have and when you don't have an offseason to do that it can be very difficult for a rookie to just come in and and set the world on fire so they had a guy like Marlon Mack who's been in the system for three years he's been explosive you know he was coming off a thousand yard season last year He's yeah. been basically everything they've wanted him to be, and they were going to incorporate him more into the passing game, you know, just naturally with Phillip Rivers being there and his affinity of targeting the running back position in the passing game. Um, and, you know, he has Marlon Mack has this great training camp. He looks explosive. He looks dynamic. He's looking great in the passing game. And then second quarter, he blows out his Achilles. I think it's a, I think it's a huge loss because I don't know if they wanted to bring Jonathan Taylor in and immediately make him the starter because you can kind of see it on tape. You know, there are instances where uh, he has these rookie moments where he misses a hole or he doesn't get there quick enough before it closes. And, and that's natural. It's going to happen. He has to get used to the speed of the NFL. Um, you know, the, the holes aren't always going to be there like they were at Wisconsin. So yeah, I think having Mac there would have been a nice kind of buffer. Uh, you know, you still get Jonathan Taylor in the game. But Marlon Mack is, you know, he's getting a lot more work. He's he's carrying the offense when they need him to. You know, when stalls are kind of uh, drives are kind of stalling out. Excuse me. Uh, you you have Mack who knows the offense, who knows the ins and outs of everything that needs to be done. Um, so yeah, I think the offense does miss Marlon Mack a little bit. It'll be interesting to see what happens. He's a free agent next year. Um, you know, maybe the Colts can bring him back on a, on a cheap one year deal because coming off an Achilles, that you know that can almost be a a death sentence for a running back. So wow, uh, I, I definitely think Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I definitely think uh, Jonathan Taylor is the future. Um, and I think he'll get better as the season goes along. Once he kind of gets more reps, gets used to life in the NFL and, and gets used to the Colts blocking schemes. Cause they're, they're a very diverse run blocking unit. You know, they like to, they like to go man blocking. They like to do zone blocking. So it's a lot to take in as a rookie, especially when you don't have that, offseason to prep for it so you know i think they do miss marlon mack but i think they're also excited about what jonathan taylor can eventually be especially when you talk about you know the size the speed the agility uh and what he can do in the red zone too so um so yeah i I think they're excited about jonathan taylor but to say that they can just move on from marlon mack without missing a beat i think that would be wrong Huh. Interesting. Uh, good stuff, uh, Kevin. Uh, you're listening to Kevin Hickey, managing editor at the Colts Wire uh, and contributor at Fantasy Football Gurus. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin Hickey 11. Uh, I uh, suggest you go do so. Um, so uh, you guys then lost. So, you know, just kind of grand scheme of things here for our listeners. 
lost uh, starting tailback at, at, with Mac and top two wide receivers already this season, right? Uh, well, I guess mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton would be your top receiver up there, but Pittman and Campbell, right? Uh, and Mac, that's three three big weapons uh, lost to injury, but you guys have still found a way to get to three and one. Could even very easily probably be four and zero. Oh. Um, you know, you guys would probably like to have week one over again, right? Uh, against Jacksonville. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Uh, so it, let's, uh, switch to the defense side of the ball here where literally you guys are ranked first in like every single category there is pretty much, right? Um, yeah. Great, great team speed. Uh, pl- good players all over the place. Uh, you know, you add DeForest Buckner. Um, you know, uh, Darius Leonard, everybody knows, uh, Bobby Okariki, uh, you know, he's, uh, playing, uh, you know, played an incredible game last week. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so the defense, you know, you guys got a guy named, uh, uh, TJ Carey that, uh, I liked a lot when he was with the Browns who just went over to the Colts. I don't know. You know, I, I think I saw him get an interception or something <laughs> Uh, I think he's playing in sub packages and stuff, but you've got Xavier Rhodes on the outside. Um, you've got a rookie back there at safety, uh, Julian Blackman, uh, from Utah. Um, so, and, and let me, I want to make sure this is right. Uh, you guys are running a lot of, um, I think you guys run a lot of what the Browns are running now. In the Seattle Cover Three Press Bail uh, scheme, kind of with Matt Eberflus, is that correct? Yeah, that would actually be correct, and it's and it's interesting because you know when Eberflus kind of uh, when he came over in 2018, you know he he was working with the Cowboys as their linebackers coach, working under Rod Marinelli, and you know their their Tampa two scheme. So uh, you know for the last couple of years, it's been the Tampa two. It's been the two high safeties primarily yeah. zone but you hit it right on the head they've transitioned to this cover three uh you know single high look very aggressive very uh very aggressive the line of scrimmage disrupting the timing of the routes and everything so yeah it's a very good observation that they've really trained it transitioned to this seattle seahawks kind of defense yeah and and we saw the browns uh defense trying to do the same thing uh, very similar, you know, uh, the Seattle cover three press bail. It's very rules based defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, uh, and it's tough for young corners and guys to pick up right away, right away. But what it does is exactly what you say when you got have athletes and players like the Colts have is it just frees up guys to be fast and go make plays Mm -hmm. in their area right it's kind of a matchup zone type of a thing if you look at it like a basketball wise um and it's uh but the rules you know you know offenses will stress those rules and and that's how they will try to take advantage of this defense and that's where the browns have got burned a lot is with just the communication of young corners and guys that haven't been on the football field together a lot um you know, the secondary's been banged up a lot, but uh, was brought over by Joe Woods, you know, and we saw uh, Sala, 
you know, play that same scheme in the Super Bowl and, and get beat by it with the, uh, you know, the two-jet wasp, right, with uh, in the mm-hmm. third and 15 in the Super Bowl with Mahomes and everything. So um, it's interesting that both both sides of the defense are kind of running the same defense. Uh, one in in the Colts to great success, and the Browns not so much. Um, so you guys uh, now – the defense is a little banged up, right? Um, do you have any update on yeah. that with Okery, Leonard? Uh, I know Justin Houston has really, really jumped off the tape. He looked like he's having a really explosive year again. I know he's got three and a half sacks. Um, uh, is there what's going on with the injuries? Uh, do you know have an update for us on that? Yeah, so it's going to be interesting because I think this will be somewhat of a uh, somewhat of a turning point. Uh, depending on how the injuries go, you got Darius Leonard. He's dealing with a groin injury. Bobby Okereke, uh hurt his thumb against the Bears in week four and had to have surgery on Monday. Uh, they're not ready to rule him out yet, but I find it if he, he didn't practice on Wednesday, Leonard didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, you have another linebacker, EJ Speed. He's dealing with an elbow injury. Uh, he's kind of they they kind of view him as a Darius Leonard light in terms of his athleticism and range. So he's okay. a guy that's big on special teams. He's good with depth in the linebacker room. Um, he has an elbow injury. He was limited, so he probably has a better chance to play. Um, and then yeah, and then uh, I know it's not the defensive side of the ball, but left tackle Anthony Costanzo didn't practice with a rib injury. So the Colts could be down a lot of key starters on Sunday. Yeah. Um... The Browns are just getting some guys back. Uh, Njoku just came off the uh, IR, so they'll get him back in the uh, tight end room. And, and Stefanski runs a lot of, you know, uh, two, three tight end sets. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the Browns have really kind of hung their hat on the run game, right? You know, over 300 yards against uh last week against the uh, Cowboys which you know they don't really play any defense at all it's like the Big 12 <laughs> got like rubbed yeah. off on them or something out there or something uh but e- either way uh <laughs> they they don't guard anybody and the Browns really you know honestly have kind of in that scheme that cover 3 Seattle press bill that They've kind of played like a bend but don't break like we're going to make mm-hmm. you we're not going to try not to give up the big play and we're going to make you go on 10 play 12 play drives and hope that you make a mistake and turn it over or, you know, whatever. And that worked against bad quarterbacks like Dwayne Haskins and whatnot. But I I don't see that working as well here against the Colts. And you saw what the the Cowboys did. Um, A lot of that was garbage time and comeback time, you know, there with, uh, with Dak, you know, in the second half as they Mm -hmm. were in prevent most of the second half, but, because uh, they were up 41-14 at one point. How do you think the Colts will um, attack the Browns' offense, who has been very effective in the run game? Of course, Nick Chubb out. That's huge. But they still have Kareem Hunt, um, and they still are going to want to run the ball a lot, I think. Uh, do you expect the Colts to just try to take that away completely? Yeah, I think that's where their their keys are going to start. Um, they're probably going to key in on the run game because you, you hit on it. You said that the Browns, you know, their rushing attack, is, it has been the best in the NFL through four weeks. So uh, even without Nick Chubb, 
which is a huge loss. Um, you have Kareem Hunt, who yeah. you know, two years ago before that video came out, and he got a. Uh, he got kicked off the team from the Chiefs. I mean, you're talking about he was arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL. So to have him come in and be the replacement is, it doesn't, you know, the Browns aren't really going to miss a beat there. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I thought that Ernest Johnson looked really good last week because uh, I did catch a, a, a glimpse of that game. Um, he looked, he looked like he had some juice. So it's definitely going to have to be the Colts are going to have to stop the run game. That's going to have to be their main priority. And it's tough because, even, you know, even with the questions about Baker and, you know, having to put everything on his shoulders, you have to deal with Odell Beckham, who looks much better this year. Jarvis Landry is also always a threat. Austin Hooper, even though he might not be as productive as he was in Atlanta, he's a great talent at tight end. So, you know, this is definitely the biggest test for the Colts defense. And, you know, they've been getting a lot of questions. You know, the first four weeks, you've played the Jags, you've played the Jets, you've played... You know, the Vikings yep. on a terrible week. You played mm-hmm. the Bears. None of those offenses scare anybody. But now you got the Browns, and this is going to be their real first test in, you know, are they elite or has it been more of a product of their schedule? So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but their main priority has to be to stop the run because when the run game is going well, when they're getting chunk yardage, when the offensive line is getting that push, Baker's able to work off the play action, and that's when he's most effective. So when you talk about what the Colts need to do, hopefully Darius Leonard's there. Hopefully Bobby Okereke can play. Um, They're going to have to get pushed from guys like DeForest Buckner. Uh, Their one technique is Grover Stewart, who is really coming into his own against Mm -hmm. the run. I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. He's athletic. He gets a lot of push. So he's, they call him a, a a brawler in a ballroom. Uh, just because he's so strong, but he's also so athletic. So Agile, yeah. That, yeah, so that's going to have to be their priority. They're going to have to stop Kareem Hunt somehow. I'm, uh, how they're going to do it, I'm not sure, but uh, that's definitely going to have to be their main point of emphasis because if you can stop Kareem Hunt, maybe not stop him, if you can slow the run game down and maybe keep them from you know churning out these chunk plays, you can force Baker into having to throw, and then maybe they can get enough pressure to try to force some mistakes. So, yeah. The run game is definitely going to have to be the priority for the defense this week. Yeah, I, I think that um, you made a great point about you know the Colts' opponents, right? And it's just a question mark. Of course, the defense looks great, and the names look great on paper and everything. And it, it looks like one of the best defenses in football for sure. But then you say, okay, but they pl- look at who they played. And you can do the same thing for the Browns' offense. You can say, wow, boy, that running attack – you know, is is really good, and, and it's playing right into Baker's hands. You know, he's only had to throw it, you know, but 25 times a game a couple times, and and they're, you know, really working him in the play action and on, on the boots and stuff and, and getting him out of the pocket where he's more comfortable. And you, you can say all that stuff, but look at the level of competition, right? Like, so – you know, Cincinnati, and then up a level a little bit with Washington. They got a nice front four there. They were still able Mm -hmm. to run on them in the second half, more so than the first half. But then the Cowboys are, I think, are going to probably still end up being a decent team, but they have no defense right now. And, and, And then now the real test, right? So for both sides of the ball, when you go Browns offense versus Colts defense, it's really, really intriguing, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, 
And I think, you know, something with that argument, you know, you have the argument on both sides of the ball is, you know, they've been playing good. The Browns have been playing great on offense. They've been running it down everybody's throat. The Colts defense has been playing really well. They've been, you know, getting takeaways and getting pressure. And it's like, okay, but who have they played? You also have to take into account that they've dominated. I mean, they have absolutely just, and that's, that's what you want. That's what you yeah. want to see when good defenses play a bad offense or when a good offense plays a bad defense. You want them to dominate. You want them to control the game. And that's what both sides have been able to do. So you can kind of take a little bit of solace in that. And that's why I think, you know, I said earlier, it's a little bit of both where the coach defense is really good. They're really coming into their own. They're really transitioning well into this new cover three match scheme um, where last year we saw them try to do it and it just did not work. They got, I mean, they got torched by the Saints and the Bucks in consecutive weeks at the end of the season when they really tried to transition more into it now they have the personnel to do it so they're having a little more success but also yeah the competition hasn't been great but they've been able to dominate i think you can say the same thing about the browns and their offense against the defenses that they've played sure it might not have been as good but they're dominating they're controlling the game they're controlling the tempo so yeah this is going to be a great test for both sides of the ball yeah, I think uh, I was watching, uh, I caught a clip from Good Morning Football and they were just talking about this game and they were saying, Kevin, you know, basically the winner of this game kind of puts themselves in, in a, you know, a, a little bit of a, a, a more elite look uh, just by mm-hmm. being the other team. It's really one of the premier games of the weekend, I think. Um, and that's a lot of fun for sure. Uh, Browns are going to have... Uh, doubled their fan base so of twelve thousand now in the stadium. Holy cow! Right? Uh, I know, but, right? Uh, yeah, but they, hey, they make a little noise. It's better than nothing. Uh, so that'll Absolutely. at least have help with the environment a little bit there. Um, as far as the, we'll swing back here, and you're listening to uh, All Eyes on Cleveland with our special guest tonight, Kevin Hickey, managing editor at the Colts Wire, of course. Uh, the Giants wire and uh, fantasy football gurus. And I, I think I'll throw a fantasy question at you at the end here, maybe help out some of our listeners. I know a lot of them play fantasy, as everybody does, basically. Um, but uh, um, before we get to kind of uh, what you think of the line on this game has been kind of wonky, I want to ask you about that mm-hmm. uh, and get maybe get your prediction here. But um, w- offensively, how do you think the Colts want to attack the Browns? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because it all really comes down to do they have Anthony Costanzo, uh, their left tackle. He's dealing with a rib injury, like we said earlier. He didn't practice on Wednesday. If he doesn't practice Thursday, I I see it hard for him to play on Sunday because this kind of seemed like a – an injury where they were not sure if he's going to be able to play. And if he doesn't practice, I don't see how he's going to play. So how he kind of progresses throughout the week is going to dictate. Obviously, the Colts are going to want to run the ball, right? They're going to want to stick to their bread and butter with the offensive line. They're going to want to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to give the edge help against Miles Garrett. That's going to be a huge key for them, Um, whether it's chipping with a tight end, whether it's uh, you know, adding a little extra, extra protection with a running back. Um, but they're also going to have to attack the secondary. You know, the last couple of weeks, they've been able to just, you know, cruise by with their defense. They've been able to 
you know, run the ball and, and control the line of scrimmage. I don't know if they're necessarily going to have that luxury this week um, simply because the Browns are, the, are a better offense than they've been facing. So the Colts offense is going to have to, you know, step up their game. And they haven't really been, they haven't shown to have a ceiling where they can score 30 points in a game. And it's, it's not overly concerning, but it's something that you have to think about where, sure, they can run the ball. You know, they can get yardage through the ground, but are they going to be able to survive, you know, one of these shootouts? And and as good as the Colts defense has played, I can absolutely see it becoming, you know, a game where it's, you know, high 20s, low 30s, where both teams are competing on each drive. So, yeah, uh, their game plan is it's going to be on the back of Jonathan Taylor. They they need him to kind of come through with one of those big explosive days. And I think it, it's possible against the Browns, but they're going to have to take out Miles Garrett. They're going to have to make sure that he doesn't wreck the game, which, as you know, we've seen throughout his career, is kind of his M.O. He just loves to get into the backfield. So it's going to be tough for them to do that, but they're also they're going to have to be able to work off play action and get chunk yardage down the field. Um, T.Y. Hilton's been almost a non-factor in games. I mean, mm-hmm. he's... He's healthy. He's he's playing. He looks good when he's getting targeted. But you know the game scripts haven't really been in his favor in terms of you know the Colts really airing it out. They did in Week One. I think he had something like nine targets, but had two really bad drops. Um, they're going to have to get him involved and get him going early. Uh, it'll be a good matchup with him and Denzel Ward. But mm-hmm. if they can get him into the slot, they can move him around a little bit. They're going to have to get him involved because he's been almost a non-factor in every game this season. And then uh, a guy you talked about earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mo Alley-Cox. They, uh, they got Trey Burton back last week. Uh, he came off of IR, which is big. It's big for their offense because he's a good pass catcher. But they need to make sure that Mo Alley-Cox is still involved in the offense. And we didn't really – he played the third most snaps among tight ends for the Colts last week. So it was Doyle, and then it was Burton and Mo Alley-Cox. That can't happen. They have to keep, him in, they have to keep Mo Alley-Cox involved in the game plan because he's such a mismatch. Whether it's blocking, whether it's in the passing game, he has to be a priority, especially with Pittman and Campbell out. So I think it, they're, they're, uh, their game plan is going to kind of remain the same in that they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to control the line of scrimmage, but they have to make sure they get these chunk yardage plays in the passing game because I don't know if they're going to be able to simply run the ball against against the Browns in terms of, you know, the Browns' offense being able to put up points. They haven't faced an offense like this yet. So they're going to have to find ways to get in, in the red zone and score because they also have not been a very good red zone team this year. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention that is uh, I know Blankenship, it Bears, you know, credit, Bears have a really good defense as well. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I know, like, what, he went four for four last week. Uh, yeah. and, you know, when you guys got down in the red zone, I know that has been a little bit of an issue, right, in the red zone. Um, but, uh, I wanted to, you were talking about, you know, the Colts have a real good offensive line. Another on this side of the ball, I think the main matchup that I like a lot, and you can tell me if you think differently, is that, you know, where the Browns are the strongest on defense by far is their front four. Uh, when you go, you know, across, the front there with uh, Olivier Vernon, uh, of course, uh, Garrett uh, on the ends, and then Ogunjobi and um, 
uh, Sheldon Richardson on the inside. And, and Ogunjobi uh, is a question mark, certainly, uh, with injury. But, you know, they bring in Elliott, the rookie who has played really well as, uh, as a rookie this year, too. So their front four is their strength. Um, and, you know, how they do against a good Colts offensive line, I think, will be really key. Um, certainly the Brown secondary is suspect, uh, especially, uh, at more so on like the second level at, you know, the safety level and the linebackers, mm-hmm. the middle of the field. It, and that's where I really worry about Mo Alley Cox is because we've seen, you know, even just, oh, I don't, it's not just this year. It's like over the years, for some reason, the Browns just give up career days to tight ends, like just coming <laughs> out parties left and right. And they haven't really stopped that this year you know the middle of the field is where teams have really taken advantage of the browns um and uh i i I would expect that to be a big focal point for the browns defense is stopping him um i know uh is it pascal he's he's played pretty well right on the outside as a wide receiver filling in for these guys yeah so he's uh he's one of the more reliable guys right like he uh they, they got him a couple years ago. He's been in the offense for a couple years now. He's on the boundary, and he they love him because he can run block very, very well. And that's yeah. something that the Colts offense uh, kind of harps on. Um, so, yeah, Pascal, is uh, he's an underrated name to keep an eye on. He's going to work more the uh, shorter to intermediate routes. You'll see him a lot doing, uh, you know, he'll be running the digs, he'll be running the corners. Um, he, he's not necessarily a field stretcher, but he's very physical, very sure handed, led the team in targets last week. So he'll definitely be a guy that you need to watch, uh, kind of going over the middle there. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed, uh, I've kind of liked his game, um, in watching mm-hmm. some of this tape back. So, uh, you know, Kevin, outstanding stuff, man. Outstanding stuff here. Uh, a couple more things and I'll let you go. Uh, just kind of finish up here, and you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland uh, as we get you ready for uh, 425 kickoff at First Energy Stadium uh, this Sunday. Huge game for both sides as the Colts will come into town to face the Browns, and we are talking with uh, managing editor of the Colts Wire, very appropriately, uh, Kevin Hickey, and he's done a great job here tonight breaking all this down for us, get a better understanding of our uh, the Browns' uh uh, opposition here on Sunday. Uh, so this this uh, line has been really wonky. Opened up at two and a half, minus two and a half. The Colts after the game is on Sunday, it's a pick 'em. On Monday, it's it's minus one to the Colts. <laughs> Yesterday, it's back to minus two and a half, and then today, it's minus one and a half. The Colts. So kind of uh, weird movement there. Um, do you uh what's your uh prediction here you do you do predictions uh kevin i don't want to yeah I mean, so, yeah so yeah, g- yeah, give not, me your prediction not, on the game i'm interested i don't i don't do them very well to be honest with you uh <laughs> but uh, okay. but it's for me it's it's kind of tough for this matchup just because the teams are so similar right they, they really they, are they, they really are yeah yeah Go ahead. They want to win with the run game. They want to win with their offensive line. They don't want to put too much pressure on their quarterback. But at the, on the other side of the ball, they really want to get pressure with the front four and stop the run game. So it's it's really hard because they are very they're almost carbon copies of each other. Um, and I think what it comes down to is the injuries. 
do the Colts have Darius Leonard? Do they have Anthony Costanzo? Do they have Fabio Carigi? If they do, uh, I'm probably going to stay in the flames with the Colts and take them winning something like 26 to 24. If they don't have Anthony Costanzo, he's kind of the big one for me. If they don't have Anthony Costanzo, then I definitely, I'm much more concerned. And I think the Browns come out with a win. So, I know I'm kind of playing both sides there. But, no, no, but, that's uh, that's a good take. And, you know, that score is uh, kind of indicative. I like where you put that. It's 26, like 24. Because I think that if if uh, the Colts were to hold the Browns to 24 points, I would think they would probably win, too. I think the game probably favors the Browns if it goes over 30 for the winning yeah, team. You agree. know what I mean? Um, yeah. So uh, I think yeah, if they can we, keep we also it. Haven't yeah, we haven't seen the Colts, you know, their offense, they haven't put up over 30 points. So if the Browns can get out there and, you know, they kind of take advantage of their, their matchups on, on the offensive side of the ball and they, you know, they get the run game going and they get the deep shots with Odell and with Baker and they wind up getting to that 30 points, I, it's going to be tough for the Colts to keep up because they haven't shown that they've been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and kind of like I said, you know, the Brown. The thing that the one thing that you could really do to hurt the Browns is jump out to a lead on them because I think the Browns' offense is really at its most effective when the game is neutral or they're ahead because they do so much stuff that that they try to make look the same, right? Run pass, pass to run, you know, off each other. But if they fall behind and you have to, you know, put Baker in the shotgun and put it on his arm to get him back in game, you know, he hasn't had to do that really this season with the exception of week one, right. which was, was just a, you know, uh, an absolute beating. Uh, but, uh, you know, he hasn't been, you know, Stefanski hasn't put him in that situation or he hasn't had to do that. Um, and that's a big question mark for him is can he – go down 14 points can we go down 14 points and can he lead us back with his arm uh he hasn't he you know did that his rookie year a lot but since then he hasn't really you know done that and they have very much made him a game manager this year so if they if he has to kind of fall out of that if he has to throw it over 30 times i think that's a big win for uh the colts you know so uh, yeah, and I think it's it would be, and I know we've kind of said it already, but that would be the same thing for the Browns. They can, if they can stop the, uh, if they can get out to a lead and they can force Philip Rivers to have to throw the ball 35, 40 times, that's going to be a big win for them because, you know, he's very turnover prone. He has turnover, yeah. turnover worthy throws. And if they can force the Colts to kind of be this one dimensional offense, that's going to be a huge win. And one thing that has saved the Browns' defense so far is that, you know, they've given up a ton of yardage, but they've been very opportunistic turnover-wise. So, you know, Rivers will throw it to the other team occasionally. They have to make sure that when that happens, they take advantage of it, you know, actually Mm -hmm. intercept the ball. Or, you know, if they miss those opportunities, those two or three times where he's almost every game, he you know, he just kind of, does something and throws it to the other team, but you got to take advantage. They have to take advantage of that because I do think the Colts will be able to move the ball on them. You know, in the past game, certainly. Um, so, 
It, it'll be an interesting one for sure. Hey, if you were, you're doing fancy football gurus. You got a waiver wire sleeper for anybody out there right now? Ooh, um, not to not to push you on the spot or anything. See. No, it's it's all right. Uh, you know, so obviously with uh, with Austin Eckler going down, you can go and try to grab Justin Jackson. I know it's going to be kind of a split there in LA with him and Joshua Kelly, but mm-hmm. actually. Uh, you know, one of the bigger sleepers might be to Ernest Johnson for the Browns. Uh, yeah. You have Chubb's probably going to be out. Um, they, I think they're saying four to six weeks. It might be closer to the six weeks. So I, I know as much as, and I'm a guy who has Kareem Hunt on a couple fantasy teams. So, you know, I have been enjoying his talents and his production. But I think the Browns aren't necessarily going to want to make Kareem Hunt a 20 carry, you know, six, seven target kind of guy like they can with Nick Chubb. I think they do want to split up the work. And I think we saw that a little bit last week with the Cowboys game um, after Chubb went out. You know, you saw a good amount of Darren Johnson, and he looked good. It looked like he had some juice. So if Darren Johnson is out there, I think he's – I don't know about necessarily this week because the Colts have been pretty pretty strong against the run. But, uh, you know, moving forward, I think he definitely has some, some, uh, some flex-worthy starts in him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and part of that too, right now with Hunt is he's kind of nursing a groin too. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of why in the third quarter they went, you know, uh, Johnson got so many carries is they were kind of like up and they were like, okay, well, let's not, you know, force the right. issue with Hunt here with Chubb already out. And Dearness Johnson came in and looked great, you know, terrific. I mean, he looked really explosive and, uh, it looked like his vision was there and everything. And so, yeah, so he was in, that's a nice surprise. You know, he's been a, you know, a special teams ace and worked his ass off since day one. So it's good to see him get an opportunity and everything. You know, he was a guy that was in the, the, uh, uh, what was it? The league that failed before the XFL. The a- yeah, yeah. Yeah. The AAF. Yeah. Yep, the was, American football. Yeah. He was a star. He was yeah. a, he was a yeah, he's one of the, the few guys that uh, made that transition over and made the team and, uh, you know, found uh, made himself valuable on special teams and stuck. Uh, so getting an opportunity now. So that's a good call there on him and uh, out in uh, uh, Los Angeles, too, as they uh, will uh, try to replace Austin Eckler for sure. So a little tip there from uh, your uh, fantasy guru uh, Kevin Hickey. Kevin, great job, great job tonight. Awesome stuff. Uh, hopefully, we can hook up again here at some point. Uh, do another show. Have you on again? Uh, maybe uh, Giants week. Maybe, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You just let me know. Yeah, how about that? There we go. I did just real remembered. Uh, we got uh, the Jets and Giants back to back, and that back to back trip to the Meadowlands later this season. So. Uh, we'll do uh, maybe we'll do Giants Week uh, with Kevin Hickey when the time comes. How's that sound? Sounds great to me. All right, man. Awesome job. Thank you so much uh, for coming on All Eyes on Cleveland, and uh, uh, good good luck to the Colts. Uh, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate. It. I had a had a great time on here, so I appreciate you reaching out. Me too. Have a good one, Kevin. All right. Thanks.
And there it was, the interview with the one and only Kevin Hickey. Outstanding stuff from him uh, all around. Good stuff, great stuff. Getting you ready for the Colts and Browns 425 First Energy Stadium on Sunday. Today is uh, Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. Uh, we'll have two editions of the show this week. Uh, get them out. Both of them will be with members of the uh, Indianapolis Colts Press. Uh, tonight is the with Kevin Hickey. Now, um, I promised we would take a look at the mailbag questions and we would elaborate on uh, trade deadline a little bit further here. So uh, let's finish up by doing that here tonight. Uh, and uh, make sure you follow Kevin and tell him what a good job he did on the show. Uh, if you enjoyed that, it was a very good interview. Mike, you go ahead and kill the sound. Good. Thank you very much. And uh, so, um, all eyes on Cleveland. That's Mikey. I'm Brad Ward. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the trade deadline and how the three and one record changes that. Um, we talked about the high stakes of this game on on Sunday. Browns moved all the way up to tenth in the CBS uh, NFL Power Rankings. Uh, legitimized themselves somewhat with a win in uh, Big D. And now we'll uh, have to take on an even more difficult uh, opponent um, in the Colts. The Colts' uh, defense is spectacular. They are number one in almost every single category available. Um, But they haven't really played anybody. So it's like we talked about in the interview. It really is a test of, like, the best run game in the league versus, like, probably the best defense um, in the league at this point. And to see which one uh, proves proves better uh, will be a big deal um, as far as carrying momentum forward. For the Browns, you know, confidence behind a 3-1 and one start, the confidence that starts to build is contagious. Remember Jarvis years ago, you know, the shit's contagious, man. The shit is contagious, right? Um, well, he was certainly ahead of his time with COVID, and and, and now, you know, the the way that this team has formed, and it is contagious, the confidence is, and the winning is, and the attitude, um, in, in a good way and a negative way, you know, and he was talking about it in a negative way, um, about it being contagious, but it is contagious as well when your team starts to play well, you get guys starting to buy in. Uh, to their roles, um, and that uh, uh, makes things uh, a different for everybody involved in the locker room all the way up and down through the front office and everything. So as Andrew Barry turns towards the trade deadline at the end of this month and the Browns look to maybe add some depth in the secondary, the first thing you want to look for, as we mentioned, teams that are struggling – that have salary cap situations. So the first one that comes uh, to mind and that most certainly they will be looking to unload um, unload some players uh, if, if needed, you know, 
to try to recoup some picks. So if the Browns found a guy valuable enough on that roster, uh, the Texans roster, maybe a guy uh, like Vernon Hargraves for a middle to late round pick um, that could just add some depth and help out uh, with the with the secondary. That would be one. Uh, they lost their head coach, Bill Callahan, and GM. Um, and uh, like I said, they do not have a first or second round pick. Um, and that uh, will be problematic for them because their roster is their roster right now. And whoever inherits that roster is going to have a lot of work to do, especially when you're in a window with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. And it's probably not a lot of people that are really, you know, loving that roster uh, from top to bottom. So I would look at guys like Vernon Hargraves who uh, would be able to help, wouldn't break the bank, um, and maybe could give you some help in the future if you wanted to keep him around. This is the this is the approach that needs to be taken. Uh, Miami uh, is in cap trouble as well. So uh, if we look at, let's go to uh, over the cap here. Uh, the first one we mentioned was um, the Texans. The Texans are certainly in some cap trouble. Uh, remember now, too, not only any further into cap problems uh, and look for relief here, but in their situation, they have no assets either to uh, change their roster around, and they are uh, already not in a great cap situation with only um, eight uh, million dollars in cap space at this point, uh, compared to like the Browns thirty and the upper team upper thirty two and the upper teams in the league around thirty, and they're going to need to unload some players for assets if they want to run it back and have any chance of uh, correcting course there now that Bill O'Brien has uh, been fired. Um, Another team to look at that is uh, not in the best of cap situations and has a player uh, or players that may become available um, is the Falcons. The Falcons have been hideous in the second worst salary cap situation. Remember, COVID-19 will guarantee that the salary cap is at least $175 million next year if certain teams will acquire space each year just by the natural progression of the salary cap going up every year, it may not be the case this year. So teams, uh, many think that this will keep things quiet around the trade deadline because teams aren't going to want to spend not knowing what the actual figures are going to be in the future. Um, but certainly I think that if the price was right for a team like the Falcons, that they would look to move on from a cornerback, maybe a guy like Isaiah Oliver that uh, you could bring in here, uh, give him snaps, uh, work him along, and see if he fits into your system. And if not, uh, you're not taking a huge risk, guys like that. Uh, the Vikings, this is a big one, right? Vikings are in the worst possible cap situation in the NFL. They are up against it. Uh, 100, just over $100,000 under the cap, just sliding underneath. You'll be looking at a guy like safety Anthony Harris, who they went out and franchise tagged. He would be ideal in Cleveland. I loved the idea of this guy even uh, in free agency um, before the season. 
around the draft and everything, we uh, a lot of people liked him a lot and thought that he could be a cap casualty because they are up against it. They did sign him to the franchise tag, uh, so he's not beholden to any further contract after this year. He would be with Cleveland for uh, the year, um, and then they would not have to do anything further if they didn't want to, but if they did want to extend him, maybe set him up with Delpit back there and have your safeties of the future, they would have that opportunity to uh, offer uh, the best deal. Very high on Anthony Harris, like him a lot. Um, so that's another one I named, wanted to name real quickly. Uh, Washington Redskins, not in a great cap situation. Uh, not as bad as some others, but a guy named like Ronald Darby, it would be like a guy I would be looking for. Um, or the Eagles with, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, another corner there that could play. Uh, look at the Eagles. There's that connection again. Howie Roseman and, uh, the Eagles and, uh, GM Andrew Barry, uh, as, uh, you'll see that pop up from time to time when he goes to kick the tires on players that, uh, come up in the Eagles, um, got his chops, uh, basically working with Howie Roseman last season. So there are some names for you. Ronald Darby, uh, Washington, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, the one I like the best, Anthony Harris under a franchise tag with the Vikings in real deep cap space shit. Uh, Falcons also in the same situation. Isaiah Oliver is a guy I like. Um, and then GM Chris Greer in Miami uh, looking to still acquire picks. A packaged up deal with a draft pick uh, and, uh, and maybe an Njoku. Or something like that, that uh, dealing from an area of strength. I know Dustin Fox mentioned dealing in Joku maybe today, and some people on Twitter were mad about it. But, uh, you know, it's hard to uh, complain uh, at this point with the performance of the guys that have been out there. So maybe an Njoku and a, and a pick um, for a player. Um, now, uh, then we and we talked about, of course, the Texans who now coachless and GMless, uh, and they do not have any first or second round picks to speak of in the future. Uh, so how do they rebound from that? Uh, how do they recoup some uh, draft assets and value to get their team better? So they're not just running it back again with the same crew, which I even think would be difficult to do at this point. So some guys to keep an eye on for sure. Let's get to the mailbag, Mikey. Mikey's got the mailbag. Mikey's doing big things tonight. Glad you could tune in to All Eyes on Cleveland. And listen, it's been a great show. Big thanks to Kevin Hickey again. And remember, you can catch the podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, so here we are. Uh, the Land Sports writes in to the show and asks uh, tonight in the mailbag, um, how will the Browns D attack the Colts offense? Um, and will they get uh, another little add-on here? Will we get pressure on Phillip Rivers? Good, good offensive line uh, in Indianapolis. Front four of the Browns is good as anybody's. Uh, they should be able to get after the quarterback. 
try to uh, flush him out. Uh, don't let him stand on one spot because when he does, he's excellently accurate. Uh, you got to make him move. You got to make him make decisions. Um, by doing that, you uh, in- increase your chances to like tenfold of being able to um, get him to kind of go in the tank, maybe throw a couple picks or uh, not have a very good day. So um, getting pressure, I think, is absolutely key to disrupting Phillip Rivers. And, of course, um, you know, they they can run it and they can throw it a little. But, I mean, if you really want to stop the run game, you cannot let them run the ball up and down the field. And at least in the red zone, hold them to field goals. Got to hold them to field goals. No touchdowns, field goals. Colts have red zone problems. Use that short field to D up. Okay, um, that's how I would think that uh, that would go. Um, and then uh, the number two question in the mailbag tonight from Northeast Ohio against the world frequent flyer in the mailbag here. Do you think uh, the Colts uh, will um, force Baker into throwing it 30 plus times? I do. I think they'll slow down uh, the run game, not fully. I think they will be they'll go over a hundred yards com- combined between DeErnest and Kareem Hunt. I don't think that will be a problem at all. Uh, I think they'll have some Browns will have some success in the run game, but I do think that they will be able to find as the game goes on that there are going to be some things there in the passing game, as you we have seen uh, in just watching this team that they can get beat in the passing game. They have have some good athletes out there and some good corners, but I feel like their pass defense uh, is exploitable. Um, So uh, if you can get uh, the play-action game going, get Baker out of the pocket, uh, you know, move the pocket, um, then uh, he will, uh, I think, probably throw it over 30 times. I just think that the game script and the way that it's going to go – probably lends itself towards seeing lots of heavy boxes trying to stop the run, daring um, the Browns to beat them. Um, And uh, that's Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, very highly thought of guy running the same Seattle cover three press bail that Cleveland is running. Uh, Cleveland is just not running it as well. Uh, Less continuity is a big part of that at this point. Uh, under Joe Woods. So uh, there's your questions uh, from the mailbag. Um, AllEyesOnCleveland.com. Go leave us a review. Uh, Do what you got to do there. We'll be back in another Colts reporter. We're going to dig deeper on some areas. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed the show tonight. The interview was great. Had a lot of fun talking trade deadline uh, topics with you. Uh, Had a lot of fun uh, getting into the mailbag. But there's, uh, you know, this one on Sunday is for real. This is a real test. Your brownies are coming. They're moving on up, baby. Tenth in the tenth. In the power rankings at CBS, 10th, 3-1. and one. It's been a long time since the Browns have been in this situation. You can get excited. You can get excited, okay? Uh, it's okay. Feel free to get excited. They've got a uh, good, good shot to do something this year, uh, a chance to 
maybe stack some wins here um, would be absolutely huge. And uh, Stefanski keeping everybody over there in Berea on the same path, you know, uh, one one and zero oh every week. Not talking about the future or anything like that. Um, as big games loom ahead, especially you know here Sunday, and then of course Pittsburgh after that. So going to be tested and tested in order, like we talked about, kind of set up on a, a steps uh, level of steps as they faced. Uh, Cincinnati, and then a little bit better with Washington, and a little bit better with the Cowboys, and then finally face this very good Colts team on Sunday with a chance to really validate um, things. So, um, with that, uh, I wish everybody a happy and safe night. Hope you enjoyed everything that we did. Uh, Mikey uh, is the man. Uh, he did a great job on the mailbag and everything else. Mikey, thank you so much for being on top of things tonight. Uh, go to alleyesoncleveland.com. Check it out. Uh, leave us a review if you loved it. If you hate it, that's fine, too. We just want your feedback. We want to know if you like it um, and what we can do more that you would enjoy. Uh, this has been All Eyes on Cleveland. Your Cleveland Browns are street in one and in the thick of it, folks. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out. Yes, sir!